Welcome to uh, What Divides Us. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I'm Reverend Matthew Schultz, and today we're talking about all things Mario Brothers. <laughs> Nothing but Mario Brothers. <laughs> we were, before we hit record, which uh, we were talking about how Mario, playing Mario Brothers was like my COVID hobby with my family. And now my son loves all things Mario. Oh, I'm man. obsessed with Mario. I used to play the first Mario Brothers before yeah. they were even super. Just right. Mario, Mario Brothers Mario on yeah. the Commodore 64 desktop computer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was fun. There were three of us, and we would take turns in a round robin, and it was it was ridiculously slow-paced. But to us, it was the future. <laughs> the Commodore, that's, that's aging you a little yeah. bit Oh, there, for man. sure, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, well, first of all, it's been a little while since we got an episode out there. Uh, you know, just just uh, we appreciate your patience, listeners, and uh, just know that we're full-time clergy. And we're also yeah. full-time human beings on top and, of that. And we're both full-time dads. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot going on We're full-time so many things. We each took our turn being under the weather. We each took our turn traveling a bit and taking some time off. We each took our turn, yeah, working full-time and seeing our families a bit. So here we are, back again. Yeah, and so you know, some things that maybe you've missed uh, is the high holidays. We had that. Uh, high holidays. <laughs> yes, uh, which it takes up an enormous amount of my time. So obviously I didn't have a, we didn't have a lot of time to record mm-hmm. during that period. Um, but I also just want to update you all that, like, I had a kidney stone, Matt. Well. Have you ever had one of those before? Wait, didn't you just say the Commodore 64 dated me? Does a kidney stone date me? I think it oh, might. shoot. <laughs> Do only older people get kidney stones? Boy, that's what I thought. I could be wrong. Okay, okay. That, maybe I just thought of that from, like, sitcoms. I don't know. <laughs> well, they are painful. I don't recommend them. Uh, okay. I won't sign up for it. Thank you. Yeah, um, I've heard that it's the worst pain that a male in Doors in his medical life. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I asked my wife, "Can um, would women now appreciate me more now that I've experienced <laughs> their pain?" The eye roll I got was uh, pretty insane. So yeah. the answer is no. That's no, a bad I, question. Yeah, yeah, it's a bad question. Don't ask that question. So uh, anyway, anyway, so so yeah, so we've been doing a lot, Matt and I, and we're, we finally were able to come back together and sit down and record this uh, record this episode. So we're super excited to be here and record this, and hopefully we get this out in a timely manner. <laughs> We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So we can jump right in if you like. Let's do it. Let's um, jump right in. So, gosh, where to begin? Um, last night at the assembly meeting, we're going to start with the thing that popped up on my social media first thing in the morning, which was last night they were taking testimony from the public. But what were the testimony about? Homelessness. Right, which is a big issue happening in Anchorage. It really is. And over the last couple of years in particular, I'd say it spiked with... Trumpism and spiked again with COVID. With the wait, what spike? Oh. The public testimony being a toxic and hateful atmosphere. Okay. okay. So it was always in the rules that there were public statements. The the specifics of those rules change from time to time. You know, they get tweaked, but there's a lot of opportunities for the public to take turns coming up to the microphone and giving their opinion uh, directly to the assembly which, through the chair. Which is their right. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah it's a good thing when it's. A, when people are being reasonable and kind, but that has been less frequent in the last few years. And in particular, the Save Anchorage group um, was intentional about being horrible and racist and ill-informed. And so... um, and who was who was the save? What's the save? Save Anchorage group? was a group that began, I believe, as a social media page um, that initially was people pushing back. Uh, again, I, I could be wrong on the specifics of the beginning, but I think they started as anti-mask mandate, anti-COVID hunker down um, stuff. They were like, you know, don't infringe on our freedoms. Um, the whole Kreiner's Diner vibe of people saying, oh "We're going to." You're being so referential right now. Kreiner's Diner's. <laughs> Kreiner's Diner is a diner here in town, and they were just very confrontational against the health code of saying, please don't cough on your food and give everyone COVID. Um, yeah, I'm being very dismissive of Kreiner's Diner because I feel like they they were intentional, again, about fighting against COVID safety measures. And so I went there once, the burger was adequate, uh, but I will never go there again because I feel like if you're going to ignore one health code initiative, what's to say you're not going to ignore them all? Now, I'm thinking about maybe like a spinoff podcast where we go to different restaurants. Oh, yeah. Let's do a food review. <laughs> and we offer food reviews. That would be the, the best. The rabbi and the pastor <laughs> offer a food review. You don't eat kosher, do you? Because that would limit our options. Oh, 
But that actually makes it even more fun, I feel like. That does, we yeah. Could do like, we could do a kosher test. But we know we need to bring Elizabeth, my wife Elizabeth, because she's gluten-free. So, okay. And then we need to find a friend who's vegan. But my vegan. wife is also gluten-free. Oh, there you go. We can bring our wife to the food review. Kosher gluten-free <laughs> podcast review. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, no, yeah. but just, just so you know, like our congregation you know, in the building is, uh, is, is kosher style. You have it. told me that before. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but personally, me, like I, I'm not as kosher as a lot of people else are. Just okay. FYI, yeah. Okay. You're koshish. Koshish, yeah. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Well, back to the horrible stuff. Um, right. The uh, right, right. So, so Save Anchorage on, grew out of that. It's a social media yeah. Facebook group that was public. They made themselves private and hidden because, you know, sometimes you want to be racist in private just with your other racist friends. And so that's what they did. So it sounds like, let's say, let's just talk about Save Anchorage for a few minutes because they fascinate me. So it sounds like they coalesced together as a reaction to sort of the hunker down and, and the masking that occurred during deep COVID uh, as a, because they felt it was assault to their individual rights. Is that is that correct? I'd say that's uh, a polite way to put it, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to be a little polite here. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm not making that attempt. And, <laughs> and then, and then uh, they were sort of what activated, if you will. Um, I think, yeah, they were definitely motivated, including by some of our community leaders. I think Mayor Bronson, who was then, I think, candidate Bronson, um, was involved in pushing those those people into their cruel statements. And um, Jamie Allard, assembly person from Eagle River, also was very involved in getting them all fired up and getting them to the assembly meetings to to raise a ruckus, again, and they, and they which were, is their right. That's what but, you do sometimes to affect the political process. The problem here is during a time when there was a mask mandate, they would show up and not have masks on in this public place packet when the rest of us were obeying the rules and staying home because that was the scientifically smart thing to do to save lives. That was a suggestion. Yeah. And social distancing and wearing masks, all these things that rational people did, the Save Anchorage group as a self-selected, non-rational group of people, were not doing those things, and they packed the house, made a lot of noise, got this mayor elected, and continued to just horribly shout down and insult and use racist comments and homophobic gestures and all sorts of terrible things, and really victimized members of the assembly, verbally. I hate to say this, Matt, but I feel like they were successful in a lot of what they wanted to do. I think that was a, um, a big part of the momentum that carried... Dave Bronson into office as mayor. Yeah. I think yeah. if if it had not been for that dynamic of rational people stayed home, I don't think that would happen. So I guess my question is, is that like, you know, now that we're kind of, I would say we're sort of in a post-COVID stage. Of, getting there. Yeah. COVID, we're, yeah. We're getting there. Um, and we no longer, especially in Anchorage, have mask mandates mm-hmm. uh, or any kind of hunkered down or social, social distancing rules. Yeah. Like what continues to coalesce, save Anchorage? In the anger. <laughs> Rage. Racism. But, but, yeah, where um, is, but, but, but where does that anger come from? That's a good question. Probably more than one place. I think a lot of it is white people becoming less of a majority and fear for, so for that. I think a lot of it is old people recognizing that they're old and being like, oh, things were different when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And so fear of that change. The economy is not as stable as it once was. So fear there. And and for all those things, it's real nice to have a scapegoat. So sometimes that's a racial scapegoat. Sometimes it's a religious scapegoat or an economic strata scapegoat. There's all sorts of you know places people point those fingers. But they really um, just kind of gathered together um, and put their shields outward like that, uh, like the Spartans did in 300. You know, they made that dome out of their shields. It's so cool when they did that in 300. Yeah, it's kind of neat. And I think I think that part was historically true. I think they actually yeah. did that in battle. A phalanx, right? A phalanx of... Well, that was when they were shield to shield and sword to sword, side uh, to side. Uh, I think later on they kind of, they hunkered the down dome. into like a turtle shell of them. Yeah, which I don't think was common, but I think on occasion they would do that. Anyway, um, that was cool. <laughs> All right. So in addition to our restaurant review, we're going to do movie reviews with... Uh, that is going to be <laughs> that would be fun. Nah, I can't wait. Yeah. Anyhow, they're still doing stuff, but you can definitely see that as the hunker downs have stopped and as COVID has reduced and as the mask mandate has gone away, the atmosphere at these meetings has gotten better. There's less vitriol because there are... Uh, You're talking about our assembly. At our assembly meetings, yeah. yes. By percentage, there are fewer completely ticked off people there because, for instance, I've gone to a couple and I don't go with the purpose of burning the place down or throwing rocks at the assembly. I go usually to either observe or to testify, but I don't shout my testimony. 
So, so it's gotten better because those conditions have changed that make it so that only the least rational people are gathering. So it was a it was a, a perfect storm leading to really bad behavior. However, as I said, it's by percentage, but that doesn't mean that the irrational people stay home. Last night we had one such uh, irrational person make the hour long drive to Anchorage from Hatcher Pass, and which he is, said, which, "Which is a really beautiful place, by the way. You gorgeous, you definitely yeah. go there if you haven't before." Yeah, we got there this fall and saw the beautiful colors up there. Were yeah. just amazing. We go there for our anniversary in August every year. Nice, yeah, nice. It's, it's, That's wonderful. Yeah, uh, so it's a great, a great place. Not part of the municipality of Anchorage. So odd that this person would come down to testify at the assembly, right? It right. really has nothing to do with with his. Uh, uh, municipality. I don't know what it's called up in Hatcher Pass, if no it's idea. a borough or something. But, um, but you know, it's not It's not where he lives. It's not his government. So he came down to speak to another city's administration. But, you know, that's allowed. So he did. And he just said a series of ignorant, incorrect, and racist things. And it was very, very troubling. And so, uh, yeah, to, to boil it down, because I don't really want to repeat the racist junk he said, but to boil it down, essentially what he did was he equated Alaska Natives and homeless people, which is simply false. Yeah. And so um, he, he did it in a way that was offensive in a number of ways, um, but I won't, I won't repeat those here. I will say kudos to Assemblyperson Forrest Dunbar, who called him on it and was like, uh, you know, this is no good. You can't, you can't, I forget exactly what he said, but at the end he did ask the question, where do, where did you hear these, th- this false nonsense is I think the phrase he used false nonsense, which I, I applaud that phrase. Cause that, that does sum it up nicely. False. He did say things that were just demonstrably untrue and the nonsense aspect of it for sure. It made no sense that this guy was even there let alone to to float a proposal based in racism that's been addressed before and obviously wouldn't work. And even if it did work, it would still be unconstitutional. And uh, it's, it was just all sorts of bad. Did this person answer Assemblymember Forrest Dunbar, his question? Uh, yes, there was there some back and forth was beginning to happen, but it got stopped because that would be out of order to go back and forth too much with the assembly people. And so, um, but yes, that question did get answered. And I believe his answer was on the radio. I listen to a lot of radio. Okay. Which actually is why I bring all this up. And we can get to that in a minute in terms of where people get that information. But before we do, I wanted to float something to you because I think it piques your interest, which is that when he did ask that question, there was a point of order from assembly person Jamie Allard, where she said, well, I see both sides. Oh, I, I see both sides of this, but can we move on? Because, because I don't know she, she wanted to get to the next topic or something. So she, she wasn't, un- she didn't unpack what both sides were. Right. She just said, I see both sides in this. I think both sides, uh, that might be exactly how she phrased it. I don't want to put words in her mouth. I think what she said was, I see both sides here, but can we move on to the next Matt, issue? Matt, what if you and I just unpacked what both sides meant? Just for that sounds good. Do you want to start? I've been, I've been running my mouth a <laughs> <Okay>. bit. <laughs> so, so one side is there's a homelessness problem, mm-hmm. and this homelessness problem is due to many, many factors that include various kinds of people from maybe all over the state. Yes. It isn't individually demarcated to one demographic. Yeah, and I, again, not wanting to put too many words in other people's mouths, but I think we could say that that's what Assemblyperson Dunbar would agree with, with right, what right, you just right. said. So we'll, we'll call that Forrest's side. Right. So then the other side. That man's is, name, his his last name was Laser. Laser. So Mr. Laser. Yeah. So Mr. Laser believes that all homelessness people is one demographic. Either that, I don't know that he said 100%, but he certainly was lumping it as as if to say this would solve the problem to send them, again, I'm, I'm more or less quoting, to send them back to their villages. Which, so that and that would be the the other side. That would be the okay. laser side. The laser side. So we have Forest versus Lasers, which sounds like a cool movie. But so, but I'm just trying to figure out what Assemblymember Jamie Allen really means by this. So like, right. when she says, "I see both sides." She says, "I see validity in sending these individuals who are yeah. homeless back, not even back, and because they're not really." But like to in that to it, the village from from that laser argument, it would be sending them back, sending them back. because That's that right. is the, the, That's the other side yeah. of this sending right back. and yeah. and and in case people aren't aware, but I can't imagine how they would not be. But 
send them back is an old racist and anti-Semitic trope from ages ago. It's certainly been used against Jewish people and against African-Americans and Irish people and any sort of immigrant. It's certainly about um, immigrants coming in from south of the U.S. border in recent decades. Send them back where they belong. Send them back where they came from. Asian people got a ton of it. It's certainly during COVID, but not only then. You know, where are you from and you know, they're like, here, like, well, I'm from Brooklyn, back, you know, <laughs> where you're from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so and so it's it's got flavors of that to it for sure. Yeah. Along with the false overgeneralization that all homeless people in Anchorage are Native Alaskan. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, I should say Alaska Native. I, I get that terminology wrong. My apologies. But um it, it was it was frustrating and offensive and terrible in and of itself. But then, yes, for assembly person Allard to 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 say that both of those sides have merit. It makes her, it makes her sound reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. That's the goal, right? When you say it that way, mm-hmm. it makes you sound reasonable. Yeah, and it's a refusal to condemn what is obviously wrong. But right. yeah, it's a, there's this false notion that somehow it's best to be in the middle on a given debate. Well, this reminds me of something that happened a, a year ago, uh, Matt, where there was this uh, essentially this, tex- this Texas school district uh, where teachers were recorded as saying. Uh, they wanted to give opposing views to the Holocaust, Eesh. right? Which was just devastating to learn about. Yeah. Um, and the school district, to their credit, they retracted that and they realized what they said was wrong, and they okay. went through a process of reconciliation. You know, but the out last year when this when we, when we all heard this, the outcry of opposing views to the Holocaust was insane. And this was all based off of the reasonable belief that there's two sides to an argument. Right. 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 And, and you and I, we don't see eye to eye. So often, like, there is two sides to an argument when you and when we're chatting about specific things. Yeah. But there are things out there that there are no really two sides yeah. of an argument. Right. It reminds right? me of teaching evolution or teaching creationism in schools when the catchphrase amongst more conservative people was teach the controversy, I think, yeah. or teach, teach the, ah, oh, there was a different word, but it was something like teach the discussion. Like uh, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, here's another theory that's equally yeah. valid, yeah. but it's not <laughs> in a science class. Creationism has no place in a science class right? and right. evolution does. So same with the, the Holocaust and history, even if we take ethics out of it, simply history it's a proven fact that the Holocaust was what, what we know it was. Yeah, I mean, even like a, f- a few months ago, there's a Tennessee school board that said that no longer let um, their I think there were sixth graders or eighth graders read the book Mouse, which I mean we discussed right. in a previous. Yeah, yeah, podcast. I think we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and but just like this this idea that like um, I see both sides of an argument, I just I feel like mm-hmm. it, it grosses me out because. You know, Senator Member Jamie Allen wants to sound reasonable, right? Uh, but but it's not it's not reasonable. It's not. There. It's no to say to say I maybe half agree with overt racist comments. I mean that's 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 terrible. Man. It's just yeah. I, I think I, and I get it. Like we live in a world that's full of nuances, mm-hmm. you know. But there's a funny statement where like if you're at a rally and a Nazi flag goes up and it's not instantly taken down, you're at a Nazi rally. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. are some absolutes out there where <coughs> yep. you can't see both sides of it. And, and to sound reasonable, I think is is dis- is gross and yeah. uh, and really misunderstands the situation. You know what this makes me think of is uh, Socrates had the notion of the golden mean. Yeah. Of for any way, isn't that he he who has the gold uh, <laughs> has makes, the means has the means. <laughs> isn't that what the golden mean? No, is? no, no. That's okay, not it. That's, okay. That's a good one. But uh, <laughs> no, the golden mean being that with any virtue, uh, if you're at zero, it's a bad thing. And if you're at 10, it's a bad thing. But in five, at five, right in the middle there, that's the golden mean. But any virtue taken to its extreme can become bad again. So, for instance, with honesty, you know, if you're at zero and you're never honest, you're just a liar. No one can trust you. At five, you're honest, and that's great. You're very honest at five. five. But if you get to 10, 10, then you become like... Like Moliere's misanthrope, right? But you're suddenly just as soon as you see someone, like, boy, your clothes look ugly today. If that's what you think, and Wait, hold on, what's Moliere's misanthrope? I don't know that. Moliere, Moliere. Uh, I may I'd mispronounce it just like in the Breakfast Club. But he was a playwright back in the I don't know hundreds of years ago and wrote a play called The Misanthrope about a guy who decided just to be 100 percent honest at all times. Uh, I see. And and, like and of course that becomes horrible because yeah. he you know he wrecks all his relationships and insults everybody. It's a funny play, and it's in iambic pentameter, so that's 
always fun, right? Oh, just like Shakespeare. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's like the the that's why the golden mean is important is because you go too far. You're the misanthrope. You don't go far enough. <laughs> You're Donald Trump, right? And somewhere in the middle is the right amount of honesty that allows you to function as a human but still be truthful. Right. And that's right. true of any given virtue that we find out there. And so this golden mean also applies to the virtue of seeing both sides. Right. If you see both sides of an argument the proper amount of times, that's great. Like if you say to me, uh, we should have quiet time at school. We'll talk about it later. You yeah. disagree. I, I think you and I disagree on this topic, but I can oh, see your point. It's yeah. Be great. Yeah. But I see your point. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have yeah. a good, there's a good point to be made about it. We can find a middle ground there. But if that topic at hand is, did the Holocaust take place? There's no, there's no middle ground there to be found. That's, that's taking that virtue of middle ground way or, past yeah, the Or mean. just like finding a, an argument that supports the genocide of a demographic of people. Like, what, what do you right. become as soon as you start going that down that mm-hmm. that route? You know, like that's that's essentially what it, the opposing view of the Holocaust is a view that supports genocide. Right. Exactly. So, like, what's the middle ground? Like, um, I support some genocide. <laughs> it's light, light <laughs> yeah, right. genocide. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's genocide. You know, so it is. There are absolutes out there, as you pointed. There are tens, and I think I think. Yeah. We, we, and, I, and this is not the first time I've experienced. A politician essentially say, you know, I want both sides taught or I want Mm -hmm. to see both sides Mm -hmm. as a means to seem reasonable, but really as a as a vehicle to, I would say, further their own personal political. And so here's two sides of 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 assembly person Allard then. If we give her the benefit of the doubt, we might think it was a process thing. She just wanted to move on to the next part of the discussion. Yeah, yeah. However, there's also the real possibility that she was telling the truth and she does see both sides of it and she knows that she needs to maintain a voting block because she's running for state house or senate, I forget which. I forget too, yeah. And it may well be that that guy is in a district she needs votes from. I don't know how the districts are broken down, but if not him, then certainly others still in that save anchorage group and similar mindsets of people who frequently do say send them back to their villages. And she can't alienate the people who still say that kind of phrase because she needs them to vote for her. And that's, that's in my opinion, that's not any better than believing it yourself. Yeah. Saying, oh, I don't believe it myself, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fan those flames so that I get voted into office. And then, then you're still just as racist. Yeah. If you utilize racism for your benefit, even if you don't believe it, you're just as bad. Yeah, if, if, if you're worried that... That making a, a statement that is against racism right. loses you votes. Then I think you're in trouble. Then like, yeah, not, you're already you're yeah. you're standing to be counted with them. Yeah. So that was you know that was last night. That guy showed up, and uh, I uh, it'll be interesting to see later if conservatives rally around him. You know, if if people if anyone else out there believes they see both sides and are going to stand up for him or not, I'm in my own little bubble, so I saw people speaking out against it. Yeah, you know, uh, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what others might say. There seems to always be that pushback out there. Someone's like, "But it's his right." And I'm like, "Yeah, it is his right, but that doesn't mean we we don't talk back against it." Yeah, it's our right to say something. Counter speech. It's our right to <laughs> exactly. counter it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's that. Okay, there's that. But there was a segue in there um, okay. <laughs> that I thought would be interesting to chat about, and that was uh, that I'm in my own bubble, and I assume you are to some extent. Every human, you know, we've come to recognize these bubbles of like-minded opinions. Are you referring to the COVID bubble? Like that became No, a no, thank you. No, the COVID bubble was totally different. That was okay. just people that you are willing to infect. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got no, no, no. This bubble I'm talking about is like a, a bubble of opinions, a bubble of like-mindedness, and and very powerfully a bubble of media and social media influence. So yeah. if, for example, all I ever listen to is MSNBC and all I ever talk to is other liberals and all I ever interact with on social media is people who agree with me on all these major issues, I'm going to get more and more isolated from the truth. I'm going to get more and more isolated from various facts and, and, and input. I, I think also further from a perspective of the of the sort of the opposite view, right? Right, yeah. right. I think most um, educated people would recognize that it's essential to always be talking to people who are different than ourselves. Yeah. Right. And social media with its algorithms has a tendency to send people just to more of themselves. I mean, that's the amazing thing about social media is that we all thought it would be a great equalizer. When it first started becoming mm-hmm. popular, yeah, it never occurred to us it was actually more of like a, 
a great sort of like you know as you point a bubbler isolator yeah bubbler yeah it's a bubbler yeah yeah and it can be it can be a good thing if you're willing to interact with people that piss you off all the time but most people aren't because you know most of us go on social media for fun yeah and for easy communication and to share interesting things but I know I have unfriended people because they kept posting racist things, right? And so I don't want to be friends with the racists, so I block them out. Unfortunately, then... You don't see their... I don't see all of their stuff, which is good, too, but it does add to that those walls. So there are healthy boundaries, but I think the algorithm then takes you away from healthy boundaries to extraordinary boundaries. Yeah. They, they go beyond the golden mean of boundary drawing, right? And so we, we, we get... certainly do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, it's a weird thing, and how do you reach out across that... You know, how do you reach out across the aisle? And that that's an ever-widening gulf. And I think I don't think that the polarization of America is only due to social media, but I think social media has been a huge influence. Oh, certainly there. been a driver. It's yeah. been a big driver for sure. And so when when Forrest Dunbar said to <laughs> Mr. Laser, I, I feel like I'm talking about a science fiction movie, when he talked to Mr. Laser and said, where did you get this information? And he said the radio... I mean, I feel like we know the shows, right? I mean, these ultra right-wing conservative talk shows where people call in and say vile things and the commentators are like, yeah, you're right, buddy. And everyone agrees for three hours of the one guy preaching and everyone else agreeing. It becomes its own bubble, just like Rush Limbaugh was, you know? And so those bubbles are so hugely destructive and I don't know how to pop them. Well, look at Alex Jones for example. Yeah, great right? example. Just, just as we're recording this, he uh, is forced to pay a billion dollars to family with Sandy Hook for mm-hmm. all the conspiracy theories that he sort of spewed out over the course right. of years, mm-hmm. really damaging these families. So, yeah. Uh, because he was in this bubble and he had people listening to him. So many. Millions. That, that and, and if we think back to Pizzagate, where someone that listened to that nonsense killed people because they thought a pizza parlor was harming kids, right? And right, so they went. Right. And so so they got in this bubble that just, lied to them and convinced them of the truth. It just also shows them the power yeah. of these, I mean, the power of our podcast. Though I don't, we, I don't know about that. We but don't yeah. have a lot of, <laughs> right. but like, but the power, the power of these conspiracy theories, they're mm-hmm. real. Like in the, if, in the unlikely event that we do have that power, let's say this, everyone go to your local food pantry and donate a whole bunch of good stuff. There okay. you go. That's, now we're using our power I, for good. Okay. <laughs> we can come back this moment later on. We're super famous with our podcast. Yeah. And say, we did right. it. Like That's we, right. Yeah, yeah. You see how there's no hunger in the world? That's because of us. <laughs> so um, I had um, two things that I that I want to share about in terms of bubble. Well, just one thing, but I have to go backtrack a little, which is to talk about the guest house. You and yes. I recorded a podcast oh about gosh. homelessness. I was sick that day. Didn't know it yet, but I went home and just slept. And I was like, that podcast I just recorded... I was really not not the person I want to be, and I said some things on there that I didn't want released. So, so Abram very kindly didn't release that. Yeah, yeah so we have an unreleased podcast now. Yeah, again, someday when you and I are world famous, they'll dig that out and be like, "Look at I this." I think we'll dig it out. When we're world famous. Yeah, you know we'll what sell I mean? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, um, because of the wonderful people at the Rasmussen Foundation and other nonprofit groups and some wonderful volunteers in my church. A whole lot of do-gooders got together and purchased the Guest House Hotel, which is now being used to provide permanent homes for uh, rental apartments for people who were experiencing homelessness and now have their own room with a bed and a fridge and a bathroom and limited cooking ability, but there's also food on site. And so um, it's a way to provide stability and dignity to people who are now able to be getting jobs and be cared for and and have... um, that's awesome. Your your church was able to pull that all together. You know, we were one part of a of a big team, and we're ha- we're really proud of the, the 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 team as a whole. And I'm really proud of the people in my church that did that. We have some retired um, lawyers, some currently active um, housing experts that were all involved, and they did all the heavy lifting. And I kind of tried to keep up and understand what was going on, uh, but they did a great job. So anyway, all that to say. Really big effort, went together. It required the municipality funding us with ARPA funding. That was one of the major funding uh, can funders. You, can you describe what ARPA is? American Rescue Plan Act, which is part of the COVID and economic recovery. Part of the CARES, is it part of the CARES Act? Trillions uh, of dollars that were spewed out there in various <laughs> forms. And yeah, it was, and it could be used for any number of things. You had to go through a pretty rigorous process of applying for it and eventually 
we got the approval from the municipality, from the assembly, really, to, to direct the administration to cut this check. Finally, it all went through. And as a result of that, there was a lot of vitriol in some other bubbles. Not my own bubble, mind you, but I'm segueing back now to that initial topic. The guest house thing was just to describe why I went into a different bubble. People kept on saying things like, oh, well, I'm sure, you know, Schultz and First Presbyterian Church are just raking in those dollars. So, okay. Because there got, was like $7 million. So, in you're, this. so you're, so you created a LLC or something like that, right? Yeah. You created uh-huh. a different Yeah, so First Presbyterian, right, First Presbyterian Church created... First Presbyterian Church Limited Liability Corporation LLC, which is just our subgroup, which is handling this deal. So that was, that that subgroup would receive the money right from ARPA from ARPA and other places. Yeah. I think I think ARPA was three point four million. The other three ish million came from other sources, and then that things. financed this uh, the purchase of the guest house hotel. Right. The purchase and I believe six months to a year's worth of ongoing operations. But uh, when I say six months, it's because a lot of those are renewable things. Yeah. Constant inflow of rent is paid. That's because yeah. it functions as a house, not as a as a shelter. So, so the ongoing finances are in good hands. Sure, meaning sure. not mine. But why, but why would people be against this? <laughs> That's the right question. Why would people be against this? And I feel like when you hold this deal up to their own rubric, it works. But they didn't bother doing that first. They saw that it came. Wait, what's what's their own rubric? You know, there's been a lot of good psychological study on conservative virtues as opposed to liberal virtues. Uh-huh. Conservative virtues would include loyalty and patriotism, courage, what's the word, frugality, you know, wise spending. Sure, sure, sure. And the liberal ones would have fiscal, other things. Fiscal responsibility. There you go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they looked at the deal and they see big money. They see a liberal church. They see the Anchorage Assembly, a bunch of liberal commies, uh, supporting it, and they say, this is no good. It's got to stink. And the first accusation to come of it was it's wasteful spending for people who don't deserve it, meaning homeless people, right. because one of those conservative virtues would be hard work. Listen, you know? listen, 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 just a quick segue. Yeah. This is where I get really annoyed, yeah. is that being, being homeless or having a mental health disease mm-hmm. or a mental health crisis is not a moral failing. Exactly. All of our listeners know this. Yeah. It's not a moral failing. You and I agree on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that conservatives agree. They don't. And they, they might say they agree. do, but in practice they don't. And but so, many of them also have mental health crises as well, mm-hmm. right? They're yeah. not, I mean, mental health crises doesn't pick and choose. Right. You know? They, I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine it's it's exactly the same percentage, whether right. you're liberal or conservative. Right, right. right. Uh, and, and, and I think we have... I think I believe our society is stigmatized yeah. uh, this in a way where where we feel shame to experience it, mm-hmm. or we feel shame to have a, a, a loved one experience it. Right. And I just want to get rid of that shame. Like that's uh-huh. <laughs> I would love Same. that shame would go away. Same here. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, but 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 then but then you get people who say they don't because because there's a stigmatization. Mm-hmm. They, people don't deserve. This whatever this this handout they didn't earn it. And there's that hardworking yeah. component right there. They and, didn't earn this. And the words deserve and earn are, are keep on popping up. And I was asked on a different interview show if I had a magic wand and could delete one thing from this whole system, what would it be? And I said the word deserve. Yeah, there is no deserve. Everyone deserves a simple, decent place to live. To quote. Is a Millard Fuller, I believe, from Habitat for Humanity. Everyone, everyone should have a simple, decent place to live. In talking then to people who are on the conservative side of this, their own rubric usually does include compassion. Um, I'm not want to throw all conservatives under the bus. They want people to be better. They just tend to think they have to deserve it first. You have to go get a job. You have to quit alcohol first. Then you can get a, a home, right. right? And the housing first side, which is more where where I. Am and where this project, the guest house project, is says that if someone is addicted to something, they're going to be much more well equipped to beat it if they don't have to live on the streets. They can find stability. If someone needs a job and they're unemployed, they can get a job better if they have a home. Yeah. So give them the home, and eventually they'll be able to afford it. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what we're doing here. It's, it's either, a realistic view of how someone can get can afford Not to, only is it realistic, but it's proven. I mean, it's yeah. been shown other places. Well, that, it, it yeah. aligns with reality. And, and when I say yeah. when I say that it meets the rubric of the of the other side too, that's what that's one of the things I mean is A, it gets people into jobs. 
which is a big thing on the conservative side, and B, it is cheaper. The current thing that we're doing is throwing millions at temporary shelter, throwing millions at emergency room visits, throwing millions at drunk tanks at the local jail, all of which then get repeated tomorrow and the next day and the next day, year after year. Homelessness, as it is currently either addressed or ignored, is terribly expensive. And if we get ahead of it and say, here's a hotel, boom, 130 rooms, people can be in there and stabilized, suddenly there's a smaller fraction of people going to the ER, getting picked up by cops, all these other peripheral things that cost a lot of money, uh, less less food having to be brought to them directly because now they're making their own wage, you know? Yeah. And so if you look at what it costs to house people in a housing first model as opposed to a, you know, a mass uh, shelter site like the one Mayor Bronson proposed, it's so much cheaper. Is that, so being, much is that still being built? The, the, I think the, it's the held navigation. up again. I think it's held up again because they, they started it without a plan, which is a, an ongoing, repeated uh, refrain with this administration. I, I, they just they thought it would be one thing, and it's as as they were warned, it's far more expensive and far more complicated than they than they were proposing. So 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 far, no navigation center. So far, no navigation center. There's nothing wrong with the concept of a navigation sure, center. Uh, yeah. you know. And if it had gone through a process with people who had experience in this kind of thing, yeah. it could have been a really handy tool as part of a broad strategy. But instead, it was pushed forward as the only part of the strategy, and it's going to be giant and big. And it just doesn't work that way. There, yeah. there's, there's, yeah. there are people that study these things for decades, and they know what they're talking about. And if you dismiss their input, you're going to end up making some mistakes. And that's what yeah. happened here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, that was like kind of all that. So yeah, and and all coming around then to say I was uh, approached by the podcast run by Must Read Alaska. Now, if you're not from here, Must Read Alaska is a far right blog that really is is frequently untrue, frequently vitriolic, and is, in my opinion, just um, harmful in the way it presents a lot of its stuff. And if not harmful, certainly false in the way it re- reports a lot of its stuff. And so, but I was approached to go on their um, podcast to talk about the guest house thing. And I thought to myself, well, here's an opportunity to talk to another bubble. Let's see what happens. The host's name was John Quick, which is a cool name. We have cool names. Cool name. I love it. Laser and Quick. It sounds like if the Flash had a super team. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he he couldn't have been friendlier. He was completely polite, completely professional. We had a great conversation. What's the podcast called? I think it's just called the Must Read Alaska Podcast. Oh, okay. Simple. And I did my best to... Not say anything negative about the mayor's administration, even though I have you know big. You have on this on this podcast before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have my disagreements for sure with how they're doing things, but it wasn't the moment for that, right? And um, I didn't want to cause greater division, so I tried to stay polite and I definitely stayed factual, just to say here's why we did it, here's why it's cost effective. Over and over again in the comments section, which is its own bubble, people saying how much money are you getting? You know, the church is getting money for it, and I just want to reiterate here. First Presbyterian Church gets zero dollars. The LLC received dollars, which then paid out almost all of them. There's operating costs left. Every single dollar of that will go to the operation. None of it comes to our church. None of it stays with the LLC. And then eventually down the road, we don't know how long, eventually down the road, we're going to pass off the ownership of that hotel to a different entity. And at that point, the LLC will be back down to zero dollars, zero assets entirely, and we'll shut down the LLC I think we'll shut it down. There's a chance you might use it for other non-profit good things, you know, but it will certainly be all the way back down to zero assets, and then we'll be done with that deal. So uh, that accusation, though, spoke so much to me because it came so frequently. How much money are you getting? You're lining your pockets with it. And it's just this initial gut-felt suspicion of the other bubble, you know, that you're obviously doing something bad. And really, we were doing something they agree with. That's fascinating because, like, you're aligned with their with their values, right? You, I mean, with conservative values. This particular deal, yeah, it's one of those rare deals that aligns with both sides. It was a uh, bipartisan. It was a bipartisan, essentially. Effort. I would say nonpartisan. Or nonpartisan. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. It really, uh, it just didn't touch on the politics. It was simply here's an opportunity that does things that both sides want. But people need it to be political for some reason. I, I don't, and I don't even know if they needed it to be or if that's the only lens they have now. We've spent so long in these partisan squabbles that as soon as, and I, I'm guilty of this, as soon as the other side raises something, I'm suspicious of it. Yeah. 
You know, if Donald Trump tomorrow were to say, I have a plan to end homelessness, I'd be like, this is going to be bull. Right. Right. Before I even heard it, I would be tainted against it right away, which is dumb. I shouldn't be. Right. But but I am. So. Okay. Well, and then the comments. What a fascinating thing. You know, first of all, anonymous people. Anon- well, sometimes anon- now. Thank goodness the Daily News shut down their comment section because right. they could be anonymous. Right. You just right. put up a fake name, and then it's like you it's really say- funny. But, but actually, really liked the Daily News comment section. Why? I, <laughs> I, uh, it was terrible. I uh, well, I, I was treated really well in the comment section on all my op eds. Oh, believe it or not, yeah. I was called Satan. So I was often referred experience. to as the good rabbi <laughs> in the comment section. I don't know why I got this magical experience or this free pass, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, man. But I didn't, and yeah. uh, a lot of people didn't, I, and so it was. It was a pretty. It was a pretty poisonous pool. I, I had an op-ed that generated three hundred comments once, uh-huh. and about two hundred fifty of them were, were positive. Oh, well, nice. You know what I mean? Lucky like, you. I got. Re- <laughs> <laughs> so my personal experience, yeah. Matt, comments are great. <laughs> I love them. I don't know why you didn't stop, stop using them. You know what I mean? Well, I, I I said to Abram before this, it might be fun to go through the comment section and take the worst ones out and we could do our version of what Jimmy Kimmel does which is people read mean tweets about themselves yeah and Abram was like, no, I didn't have any bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> so not, not that you know of. Maybe I, I need to go start some. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah. You make the worst comments. Oh, I'm going to write back. I'm going to do that for you. We can't. That's right. AD and now. It's doesn't, not an anonymous. It's not an you have to like make a whole fake account, which you hear people do that. I don't. I don't think I – I can barely manage my one set of accounts. I forget passwords and everything. I, I don't know, know how you can have multiples. I leave but. one for everything too. Which is involving just me, my own person. Why don't you tell all the listeners what your passwords are? Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. What's more than that, Matt? So one last thing that we could talk about where I do think there's a golden mean to be found and middle ground. I'm sorry. I think there's a middle ground between us. Uh, the Matsu School District, I think, just approved a moment of silence in the morning. So for two minutes, from what I understand. Two minutes. Okay. Yeah. So I believe the deal is they say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then they'll have two minutes of silence where the kids can do whatever they want to do, yeah. uh, as long as it's not disrupting other students and you know, in silence. Personally, I like it. Which I find fascinating is you don't like the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Right. <laughs> well, because of the Pledge of Allegiance, you are forced to take an oath. Yeah, yes, yes. You're being of, told of you have to... to your country. Right, which... Under God. All of those, all of those things are opposed to the Constitution. <laughs> Indivisible is false. It's already been fully divided once, and under God is is against the First Amendment. That's an establishment of of a belief system. You can't force kids to have, to believe in God. That's terrible. <laughs> right. And right. so yeah, but silence is not forcing anything other than just think. Yeah. And I think that. Kids today, you can't say that phrase without sounding old, but I do think that in our current society with everyone having earbuds in and cell phones on and laptops available, I think there is a terrible dearth of silence. There's a real lack of quiet reflection in our lives, and um, we need it, and I think it's a good thing to allow kids. And if the kids want to sit there the whole time and just think about playing video games, okay, then they do that. They have a minute of silence to just think about that. If they are silently praying in their own head, all right, that's fine. They could do that before, too. That doesn't, like, begin the ability to pray in school. It's just a time they could do it. Or they might meditate, or they might just think of a poem they're writing. There's any number of things they could do. Mostly, they're probably going to be thinking about the kid in class that they want to date. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's what most kids do with their free time in school. So I think it's going to be harmless in terms of what bad could happen, but I do think it, it could be really good. I think mindfulness as a non-religious practice is healthy. We practice mindfulness in our religious school. So it's super healthy. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm actually kind of against it. This Why is so that fun? So I have an education background, Matt, and uh well I, I do appreciate like moments of silence. Mm-hmm. Uh is there a curriculum wrapped around this to be provide for teachers? You know, is there is there is there a system put in place mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that these students can understand what those two minutes can be used for? Is there I anything? Like is yeah. there anything to teach these students? I don't know. Do you, are you aware of those things being out there, or are you saying you wish there were? I, I I'm saying that like I don't think you should have two minutes of moment of silence without 
some kind of curriculum wrapped around it that you can yeah. hand off to teachers and they can say, here's what two minutes of silence can mean for you. That's a good but point. It's yeah. un, but it's, it's unstructured. Yeah, hundred percent unstructured. So, what what value does it have? Well, I don't know. That's and so here's where we are seeing the good on the other person's side. So this is yeah. where I this, see both sides. This is where it's good to say I see both sides. Yeah. I think you have a great yeah. point. Yeah, and I I actually see how it could be good in both directions. Like what you're saying, I would love to see a course on mindfulness, right? Because there's so much good stuff out there that does but not have not, to be but religious. They, but they refuse to even call it mindfulness because and the, and, mm-hmm. the, and this is where I see where the people who say this is pre prayer right come into play because there is such an there's such a intention on not calling it mindfulness on not calling it mm. prayer on not calling it anything yeah, yeah. but two minutes of silence that's problematic for me right because yeah. I, why not just call it mindfulness oh i agree and, and mindfulness in my opinion is not a religious concept there are it's lots of atheists not. out there absolutely who meditate not. right and right, and right. and see the the benefits that are there so i would love to see that in a curriculum but that's but that's where the, the this is this is pre prayer people this uh-huh. is this is where their fears coming from right like if you refuse to name this as mindfulness which really what this is mm-hmm. then then what else could it be but prayer oh i see what you mean okay now, see, I'd like, though, I'd like the unstructured. Hey, this is the artist in me. When I, I frequently will go on a run with no earbuds in, and I refer to that as the times I let my mind off-leash. Yeah. And it is beneficial to me specifically because it's unstructured. And I do believe there was a book out a couple decades ago already called The Overscheduled Child. Oh, sure. Right? We need to give our kids more time where we're not directing them what to say and think and do. Yeah. And I think two minutes of silence is a great example of a time where a kid is just allowed to daydream out the window. And he doesn't have to say, now I'm going to pay attention to the thoughts that are coming through my head and you know go through the mindfulness processes. No, they can just sit there and watch the leaves fall. And that's beneficial. I, I agree. I agree yeah. with that. But but the question is, if if there's no level of discipline sort of around it, mm-hmm. then how useful can it be? Well, that's the off-leash part. If the kid is daydreaming out the window, I think that is hugely useful. But the unstructured child is still, you know, a level of discipline, right? I'm going to take this hour of time. My kid can do anything they want. I have disciplined this hour. Out, of, you know what I mean. That, <laughs> but I don't do that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny I mean, that's, that you're disciplining non-discipline. <laughs> how else are you going to accomplish it? You just just let it happen, man. <laughs> it's not how it works in my house. I, oh, I understand. House. I understand my kid needs unstructured time. It's super important that my kid gets it. You know, and, and, you know how I make sure my kid gets it by structuring it. by structuring it into the answer. Yeah. Sometimes you got to just scribble. I think this is I think it's scribble time. Just it doesn't have to look like something at the end. Just splatter the paint, man. And well, uh, when are you gonna do scribbling? When's that gonna happen? Well this are two you minutes. Be able to well they're scribbling? giving it two minutes, yeah, right? They, right? They right. are structuring it to right. that extent. So it, it is happening within a structure, but the thing itself doesn't have to be structured. I just think I think there needs to be more attention to it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like like if it's not gonna be prayer, which it can't be or at least it better not be, <laughs> then there needs to be more intention around what these two minutes are for. And you're right. I think some people are going to run away with it. I think people are going to love it. And they may not even like it at first, but over the course of a year, they may grow to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. My suspicion, that's a minority of people. and That, a that lot are going to grow to love it? That are going to be into it. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of people could be into it if they were just shown like what mindfulness is, or they were just shown like what what this two minutes could be for you. Yeah, what two minutes means. That's a good point. Some you people know? need the the inroad to figure yeah. out how to yeah. make it beneficial. And to that's them. not what that's not what they're offering. Mm-hmm. That's, they're they're not they're not willing to offer that. Yeah, and that's why people think it's for prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not willing to offer any kind of mindfulness instruction in the in the process of offering these two minutes. On top of that, do you know if there are th- schools that are doing it the way you're describing? Uh, in other parts of the country? Yes. Yeah. In, in our state, there are schools okay. that are offering mindfulness, and they're teaching it as mindfulness, and it's so helpful. Because yeah. um, I yeah. know when I was uh, when I was restructuring my religious school because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, I really wanted to add a mindfulness component to yeah. our religious school. And I talked to a couple of counselors mm-hmm. who work here in the Anchorage School District, and they they showed me like the value of mindfulness and how to, and how to pull it off and what, what, what it's useful for. So I know that, that within our own education system here in Anchorage, there's more than two minutes being used yeah. 
devoted to mindfulness. Uh, well, well, one one bit of feedback I heard from a teacher, which is, this is just one more thing we got to do now, and I totally get empathize which is, which that teachers why have so much. Teachers of a should full not plate. have to develop the yeah. curriculum. You know what right. I mean? Well, and also the two minutes. So, like, I'm being told I have to use every minute for all these other things yeah, too, right? Yeah. And now they're saying, here, teachers, here's yeah. another thing. Yeah. So I can totally, I would take and, the teacher's and, and direction to, on that. And to me, any teacher that says that, what tells me is that they, they weren't offering any, any kind of ownership over this. Oh, right? yeah, but you're right. Like, you know, did they board go to the teachers and say, hey, this is what we're thinking. Although, to be fair, I don't know if that comment came from a Matsu teacher. I think it was from an Anchorage Yeah, well, yeah, 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 but like, uh-huh. the, were Matt Sue teachers part of the process? I don't know. That's a good question. You yeah. know, and so so, so I, mm-hmm. I have lots of problems with this, Matt, as, as you can tell. But it's not, your problems are not with the concept of the quiet time. Your your problems are the um, the specifics of how it's implemented. No, like the wraparound of it. Yeah, right? like, okay. And mm-hmm. I don't, I just, I think it's, I think it's heavy handed to say, uh, you're now forced to have two minutes of quiet time every every day without yeah. having some kind of wraparound of, and here's some curriculum to show why this is useful, or here's some data to show why kids are 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 you know I don't know better because of this, right? right. None right. of that none of that was provided for this ruling by the school board. They mm-hmm. just you know, voted on it and boom, it's done. Okay, you know, and so I have a I take issue with that. Yeah, I think yeah, I that's fair. With that. yeah. That's fair. Look at us seeing both sides. We're such good examples. <laughs> All right, I think that's it, Matt. I think we did it. I think we we, we successfully ha- had our podcast. I'm hoping, listeners, that uh, that uh, we'll have podcasts coming out more consistently now that high holidays are over for me, and maybe we got through both of our health issues that we've been getting, we've been dealing with the last couple. Of Theoretically, months. we'll see. Um, so our, our our goal is to be better about this, and we apologize for being a little inconsistent about getting these podcasts out. Yeah. Yeah, and please do uh, leave comments or send them in to us or I have no send idea us questions. How that works with comments. Oh, I thought you were looking at that, and we just didn't get any. Oh, maybe we have a bunch, and we haven't even looked oh, at them. No. All right. Well, that's our homework. We'll explore. We'll try to find comments and try for to find our them. podcast, <laughs> or just email them to us. Or, or moms, you can text us. <laughs> yeah. You got. You got. In order to get to us, you have to get to our moms first, Matt. Like we that's don't right. have a really good system to connect to our audience. So we'll just we'll just release our mother's personal <laughs> contact information to have everyone call. Okay. All right. So uh, that's all. Uh, I have been Matthew Schultz. Nice talking to you all. <laughs> I have been Abram Goodstein. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. Um, and big thank you for James Brown for our logo and the Mitchell Bros uh, for our theme. And uh, we hope to hear or from you through our moms sometime yeah. soon. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and if you've gotten this far, uh, we appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you.